If you would, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, the third chapter of the book of Acts. Acts is the first book of the New Testament following the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Acts chapter 3, and I'll begin reading with verse number 1. <clears throat> Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. I read this portion of scripture one time. And the thought suddenly struck me. What would it be like to live one day in this man's shoes. And so I thought, well, perhaps we could discover that by supposing that he wrote a letter to his mother and father and explained the day. And so Psalms chapter 90, we read that our time is spent as a tale that is told. And so this is going to be, in effect, sort of like a tale. But I'm going to read you a letter before he was healed and a letter after he was healed. Such a letter before he was healed might go like this. Dear Mom and Dad, I intended to write to you yesterday, but it was so late when I got home from the temple that I was just too tired. My good friends, Legion and Lazarus, were late yesterday to take me to my favorite spot outside the gate called Beautiful. I really like this one location because lots of people enter and exit there, and it is fairly easy to keep in the shade. And besides, it is far away 
from where the visitors leave their camels and donkeys. But then lots of other beggars like this spot too for the same reasons. It seems there are more of us each day. I was expecting a good day because there are lots of visitors in town for the big celebration. It seems when people are happy and having a good time, they are friendlier and more importantly, they are more generous. But it turned out to be a bad day. When we got to the gate, all the good spots were taken. Legion and Lazarus did the best they could for me, but it was still a big disappointment to be out of the mainstream of the crowd. Lazarus told me that he and Legion had to return home early today. They have out-of-town guests arriving, and they must help Rachel and Rebecca make preparations. He told me he had made arrangements with Zachariah and Zacchaeus to take me home. I have met the two Z brothers, but I don't know them very well. At first, the day started pretty well. The weather was bright and sunny, but then it got hot. And just as it approached the time when the temple opened for visitors, it started to rain. The people began to rush by in order to reach shelter. Of course, they had no time to stop for me. Finally, the rain stopped. But then, not only was it hot, it was also muggy. The rain had not only dampened me and the earth, it had dampened the spirits of the sightseers. There was no joy in Jerusalem that day, at least not for me. As you know, no joy for the people means no alms for me. It reminds me of another day not long ago when that fellow was crucified. The one who claimed to be our Messiah. Boy, what a bad day that was. The people were either so exuberant and excited that they wouldn't stop, or else they were so sad and downcast that they couldn't see me. As it neared time for the temple to close to visitors, the crowds began to wane, and I wanted to go home. At least I could change out of my clothes, fix some supper, and go to bed. At the very least, I would be in familiar surroundings and could suffer in silence and solitude. But it was not to be. The temple closed, the crowds dispersed, and the other beggars one by one began to depart, some under their own power and some with the help of friends. There was no sign of the Z brothers. I don't know what happened. Maybe they were looking for me at another gate. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they didn't care. I just don't know. I had given up hope and was attempting to make myself comfortable for the night when a man, a Samaritan, passed by. He stopped, looked back at me, and asked why. I was here in this place all alone. My first thought was to ignore this person, 
just as I had been ignored all day. But before I could make a complete fool of myself, reality came to my rescue. I realized this man could be the means of my way home, the only means. Sure enough, this good Samaritan not only took me home, he stopped at the fine inn in Jerusalem, and he treated me to supper. That was the only bright spot in a very dreary day, and other of the many dreary days of my life. Mom, I know you love me. I can remember very well when I was young. The other kids had no time to play with a cripple like me. But I also remember how you rushed through your shopping and your household chores so that you could spend time with me and play the childish games that you taught me, the ones I love so very much. Dad, I remember so very well the long hours you worked in the fields and the sheep coats. I remember all the different doctors, priests, and specialists you took me to in an effort to determine the cause and perhaps find a cure for my lameness. I remember the sacrifices you and Mom made to pay for these services, all to no avail. Mom and Dad, I don't mean to burden you with my problems. I apologize for sounding so negative. I want you to be proud of your son. I want you to be satisfied that I can make it on my own when you are gathered to your people. I want to really believe that God will take care of me just as he provided for the Israelites in the Exodus. Nevertheless, Mom and Dad, I cannot help but ask the same question you have heard me ask so many times before. Why me, God? Why me? Signed, your loving son. And we can't leave him there because we know he was healed. And we're going to read another letter. But if you allow me, I'd like to give you a personal word of testimony. On February the 28th, 1965, I took my family across the street to Shady Lane Grade School, where the first service of Fellowship Baptist Church was held. We lived right directly across from the school. Pastor and Mrs. Denoff had knocked at my door about a month before, gave me a flyer, and invited me to come to church. And so we went that first Sunday. There were eight consecutive Sundays that we walked across the street and attended the service. Eight weeks from February the 28th takes us to April the 18th. April the 18th was a special day. It was Easter Sunday. It was also my birthday. I was born on April the 18th. But another thing happened that was very special that day. 
I responded to the invitation. Pastor Denoff opened his Bible and led me down the what we refer to as the Romans Road of the Salvation Plan. That morning, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And wonder of wonders, He accepted me. That was 56 years ago. In that 56 years, I was given many opportunities to serve the Lord. Those were His final words. And... Um... How powerful is it that even sharing the gospel and telling the story of the lame man, and then he transitioned right into saying, can I tell you how God saved me? And that very salvation story is what transitioned him into heaven seconds, minutes later after that. Um, he began to testify um, in his notes after this, and he wrote this note literally down and he said pause uh, on his notes and then at the top it says 56 years and he began to just brag on God of what God's done in his life over those 56 years. Let me break down before we get into the, the, the last letter that he wrote that he was going to do to kind of summarize uh, what happened after he was healed uh, by God in that passage. He wrote this in there in his notes. He said 56 years of opportunities to serve the Lord. And begin to talk about how God always gives opportunities to do things um, as a dad, as a husband, as a church member. But he, he wrote notes about different opportunities. He wrote down the word junior church, adult classes, janitorial, all at FBC. And uh, those were things that he did at, at the church. There were different ways that he just stepped into different aspects of his life. Because something that I'll share on Friday is uh, Fred Kirk wrote me a letter um, just a few weeks ago, and it was uh, pretty similar to what he wrote here, but the whole premise of his letter was, God's never done with you. Amen. He said there might be different chapters or different starting points that God brings you to, but whatever it is, it's just a new starting point of new opportunities to serve God in a do, new way. Nobody is ever done serving God. And so he was talking about the different things that God's given him to do, but he also wrote in there about uh, missed opportunities and how often people will think in their minds that I'm too old, my health is not good enough, or whatever. It doesn't mean that those things are going to stop you. It might be just that God's going to do something different with you during those opportunities. Uh, I don't know what the one opportunity was, but he uh, did mention one about speaking in the teen class. Uh, he wrote notes about maybe being hesitant. I couldn't figure out what he was saying with this. But he said these, our minds will tell us that I can't do that. But then he wrote, Jesus taught us that with him, we, that, uh, we can't do anything. And he was, he was saying that it's true, that the mindset is that I can't do that. And how often we get into situations in our life and we sit there and somebody will ask us to do something and our mind is, well, I can't do that, which is somewhat true because in of yourself, you can't do it. Because Jesus was saying, without me, you can do nothing. But then he wrote the contrast. He said, Jesus also said, and he wrote the thing, notice the extremes, that with Christ, all things are possible, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he was talking about the comparison of how often we will say that without me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. But with Jesus Christ, you can do everything or anything through the power of God. And he was talking about the complete contrast of this. 
And uh, a quote from his notes, don't let an opportunity to serve slip by. You will never be left alone without God. Fred had this in his notes to go back to the lame man after he talked about it. And I wish we would have had that because I would love to have heard, you know, I'm just talking about the bullet points of what he put in here, but I would love to have heard the stories of everything that he would have filled in the blank of all those opportunities and everything that he's done. And I know through the years of being at Fellowship Baptist Church about generations, he wrote at the top of this, he said, FBC makeup of 56 years represents five generations. If you're talking about 10 years being a generation or something like that, he's talking about how many phases of that that we have. So every generation that's represented in the church, whether it is the kids or the teenager or the singles or the adults or the grandparents, that every one of us have a role to play in the church. But at the end of this, he had it to go back and to the notes. And I know that he was going to teach on the lame man. I don't know what all he was going to say. I don't know what he was going to bring out, but he was going to give the personal testimony and then roll back into this letter. So I'm going to read the second letter. And this is written by Fred Kirk. He was very creative in the way that he did this. So this was after he was healed and after he was saved, uh, the lame man. Mom and dad, I can't wait to tell you. I am so excited, so excited I can hardly write. You won't believe it. You just won't believe. Here's what happened. I have been born again. Please, mom and dad, please don't think I'm crazy. Please, let me explain. I have other news as well, but I'll say that to later. You see, just a few days after I sent you my last letter, the one where I had such a rotten day, I'm sure you received it by now. Well, I was in my favorite spot near the gate, beautiful. The weather was perfect. The people were visiting the temple. Seemed to be exceptionally good moods and exceptionally generous. Suddenly, there's two rather rough-looking characters pass by. I later learned their names were Peter and John. Anyway, when I asked for the alms, they stopped, though their demeanor was rather unseemly. When I looked into their eyes, I saw something I rarely experienced. I saw great empathy and compassion. I thought, oh boy, I got a live one. My heart fell when one of the fellows began to speak. Silver and, gun, silver and gold have I none, he said, but then something marvelous happened. I'll tell you later. As a result of the miracle, what happened, all the people began to stop and look until there was a large crowd. I don't know where they came from. Then this man, Peter, began to speak. Actually, he began to preach. His voice was strong and his manner was sincere. All motion in the crowd ceased. Not a sound except this man's voice. It was as if some outside force was compelling us to give our undivided attention to his words. His message was simple, yet so complex. I'm sure I can't explain it, but I'll try. You see, Mom and Dad, the Messiah has come. One of the priests and the prophets have been telling, the one that the priests and the prophets have been telling us about for so long, except it was not exactly as they told us or how we understood. You see, the Messiah is actually the Son of God born of a virgin named Mary. Remember that guy, John the Baptist? Remember the story we heard about the man named Jesus being baptized by John? How the heaven opened up and a great voice declared, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Remember how we didn't believe it? Well, it was true. This man, Jesus Christ. Remember all the stories we heard about the miracles he performed? How he caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and yes, even the lame to walk. It really is true, Mom and Dad. It's really true. I know. 
but I'm getting ahead of myself. This man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Messiah, is the one that we crucified for a short time ago, the day that it was so dark. Do you remember that? It's so sad how falsely he accused he was and how he was treated. He was betrayed by one of his own friends he, and was deserted, even denied by the other disciples. He was beaten, scourged, mocked. And as a king placed a crown of thorns upon his head and a robe on his shoulders, his beard was pulled from his face and finally he was crucified on a cross between two thieves. His cries from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then we heard it is finished. His side was pierced and the spear led him to die. And to think he did not all this for me to cover my sins with the shed blood and for you too, mom and dad. If only you believe, the proof is in the resurrection to life. My new friends, Peter and John, saw him after he died and was buried. They saw him alive. They talked to him. They touched him. And just a few days ago, they saw him ascend into heaven where he will be seated at the right hand of the Father until in his own time he will come again. Until then, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us. Oh, mom and dad, I have so much to tell you. I just made a decision. I'm going to close this letter and tell you in person how it is that I explained all these things through the Torah and the Psalms and the prophets, how we can see and know all these things that we've been heard is true. Oh yes, I almost forgot the other good news. I'm healed. I can walk. I can run. I can jump. I know it's hard to believe. But in a couple of days when I arrive home, you will see it for yourself, and then you too will believe. Meanwhile, remember the question in which I closed my last letter, the question you have heard me ask so many times before. Well, I know that I ask the same question, but with different meaning this time. Why me, Lord? Why me? Your loving son, Isaac.